Super Talk Mississippi media production. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Well, good afternoon to everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. We're glad you're with us this afternoon. Kind of cool and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, fall-like here in South Mississippi. Hope the weather is good where you're listening. We had some snow up in North Mississippi. Got some pictures from... Some of my Delta friends yesterday, Luke Johnson, and it looked like a winter wonderland up there for a few hours, but nothing here. Yeah, I think we got a, a smidgen of sleet. Uh, Jones County got a, a, a tad of it, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I saw one guy killed a massive buck and with snow on the ground, and but yeah, it was just raining at my house. That's all it was doing. Right. Opening segment of today's show sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. We say it proudly every day because... We believe that it is the best barbecue around. You can enjoy it seven days a week through their drive-thru in their uh, dining room, or they'll deliver it right to your house. Justin and his guys do a fantastic job with Dickie's Barbecue here in Hattiesburg. I'm sure it's the same at the Dickie's where you live. So the next time you're hungry for barbecue, make sure it's Dickie's Barbecue. All right, Kelly Sander will be joining us uh, later in the program, but we're going to kick off today with our buddy Heath Hinton from Big Gold Nation. And, uh, Heath, uh, glad to have you on the show. We talked a little bit yesterday about basketball, kind of a rough weekend for the men in in, uh, Birmingham, and now another of those two-game sets coming to Hattiesburg this weekend. What have the Golden Eagles got to do to steady themselves for Middle Tennessee? Watching the games this weekend, you got to be more efficient on offense. Um, A lot of times it looked like the offense was stagnant. Um, Guys – not wanting to take shots. Uh, look, and a lot of that had to do with uh, UAB's defense. They're really good. But a lot of times, you know, people had shots. They wouldn't take them. Uh, get towards the end of the clock and just kind of uh, run around and wait on somebody, you know, to free up to make a shot, drive the lane, um, things like that. I, I think defensively they're fine. But offensively, they got to get things going. Um, you look at uh, Drain, four games in a row that he's kind of been shut down to a certain extent. And Southern Miss is not going to win many games if uh, Drain's not scoring in double digits. Yeah. Uh, we talked last week uh, <clears throat> to the coach, and, uh, and, and Coach Leiter said that, you know, they, they – they have not really had any games that they had planned on having to meld this new team together to get these guys all playing on the same page. Is this basketball team ahead or behind schedule in regard to where all of us thought they would be at this point in the year? Oh, behind. Behind, definitely. Um, um, you know, they should be at, what, game 19 right now, probably 20. Mm-hmm. I mean, their game right around 10, 11. I mean, you're talking a lot of games missed. They're really far behind when it comes to where they would want to be. 
it's just that this is a team that and look let's let's face it all these other teams are having to deal with the same team but I don't know many conference USA teams that have nine new players on it mm-hmm. so you got to take that into perspective I still think things are going to get better by the middle of the season but you know the turnovers have to stop um drain's got to shoot better some other guys have got to play better too it's not just drain but there's some other guys that were that were people were thinking were going to make some contributions this year that haven't. So, you know, this team's got a long way to go, but they can get there. When will that, so to say, you know, kind of light bulb on top of their head come on? We don't know. Maybe it's this weekend. We'll see. Luke? Heath, uh, when you you mentioned it, and I was just looking through the statistics. I mean, Golden Eagles turned the ball over. Uh, I think they had UAB had thirty two points off turnovers. Southern Miss is averaging fifteen turnovers a game. Opponents are only uh, averaging uh, averaging about two two to three turnovers less. What is causing you think? It just seems there is an abnormal amount of turnovers so far this year. I think a lot of it has to do with uh, players trying to do too much. Instead of just going up, uh, watch Tyler Stevenson, sometimes the ball goes through his hands because he's trying to do too much under the post instead of just squaring up and shooting the basketball or going up with the rebound. They're trying to, they're trying to pass the ball, maybe trying to do too much with the offense. And, you know, that happens once again, sloppy play. Nine new players haven't chilled yet. Turnovers are a byproduct of that. Um, you know, just some errant passes. Sometimes passes go off the hands that probably, you know, even though it's a tough pass, should be caught. Um, kind of happened at the uh, end of the UAB game. It was a tough pass to drain. And, you know, you can't blame him for not catching, but in the same sense, when you're down two, you can't let that ball go out of bounds off your hands. You keep it in play with every what do you think is going to have to happen? I, I'm just uh, I watched the minutes because I was trying to be conscious last year of the minutes. Tyler Stevenson played all but four minutes of both games. Um, Tay Hardy played the full forty in Friday's game. He played uh, I think thirty seven yeah in, in Saturday's game. Uh, Denijah Harris didn't play much on on Saturday and didn't start. Uh, is, are we still tinkering with this starting lineup, or you know, pretty much three or four of these five will be the consistent starters every night? I think they're still tinkering with the lineup. And look, you're playing back to back days. You can't tinker too much with it because of that. Um, but they're still trying to tinker with it a little bit. I do think Coach Ladner probably does want to play more than eight players. Um, you know, Johnson hasn't played much lately. Like to see him on the floor a little more. Uh, Jerron Pierre didn't play much at all in the second half. And even though he's a freshman, he's going to make mistakes. Probably the best, uh, probably on the team, the best from a talent standpoint playmaker you have is a freshman. Um, he's not a point guard, but he's having to play a point guard. You look at Drain, and Drain's best years are when he had a point guard to set up shots for him. Does he have that now? I don't think so. Teams are really defending him close, kind of almost manning him up and even playing a zone at times, it seemed like. But players are really getting into him. Um, Maybe do something to set some more picks to get him open up any way you can. 
but he even shot two air balls um, in the last game against UAB, and he never does that. So I think this team just needs to get some confidence. And, you know, defensively they're fine. They're playing tough. But offensively you need to get some confidence and, and just have confidence in your own ability to make plays. All right, two-game set uh, this weekend. Middle Tennessee comes to Hattiesburg. In past years, Middle Tennessee's been a pretty good basketball team. Uh, what, what kind of team do they bring in this year, Heath? Uh, so early in the season, I think they're a good basketball team. I think it's going to be a tough challenge for the Eagles. Southern Miss has to go in this year and, and this game and win the first game. Last season against Middle Tennessee, they had some outstanding games against Middle Tennessee but always fell short. This is a program that, you know, Southern Miss, they need to win the Friday game. They need to win the Friday game. They need a sweep here. They need to, you know, in all seriousness, probably a sweep would be good. To beat Middle Tennessee, you just got to play good defense and make shots. Mm-hmm. We're having problems making shots at times and stop turning the ball over. If you got to be generic on offense, okay. Just when you get the ball in the paint, go up with it. Stop trying to do too much. Uh, Jerron Pierre, just play within the system, and if you have an open shot, maybe take it every now and then. All right. um, Southern Miss can beat this team, but they're going to have to play better on the offensive side of the ball. All right, less than a minute left in this segment. We're going to hold Heath over. We want to talk a little baseball and football on the other side of the break. Uh, 45 seconds, uh, your thoughts about the uh, the distressing news about uh, Coach Joy Lee McNellis this week, Heath. Um, that was tough. A person that I have so much respect for and a lot of love for. Um, man, just devastating. She's such an ambassador for Southern Miss, and if you know Joy Lee, she loves Southern Miss. She loves Hattiesburg. And, uh, man, tough on the team to have to deal with this. Tough on former players. I talked to a few of them, and they were upset. Um, just everybody, man, just keep her in your thoughts and prayers. And, you know, if you know if you know Coach, she's going to fight this, and uh, she's going to do whatever she can to come out on top, and she's going to continue to coach. So uh, just thoughts and prayers with her and the whole Southern Miss family have have her in your thoughts and prayers because it's difficult and she's a special person and a special person at Southern Miss too. No question. All right, when we come back, uh, what I call the Rebel Raid continues. Uh, the new football staff went out and got uh, the assistant strength coach at Ole Miss and brought him to Hattiesburg. And now two Ole Miss players are transferring here as well. Also want to talk to Heath about the four-game sets that are going to be taking place in conference baseball, hard to believe conference baseball, and Southern Miss baseball now just a little over a month away. So baseball and football next on the Eagle Hour. To the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Welcome back. Glad you're with us this afternoon. Visiting with Heath Hinton from Big Gold Nation on the Eagle Hour on a Tuesday afternoon. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net. It's the place to go for Southern Miss apparel and merchandise. And we will have the manager 
of Campus Bookmart on the show tomorrow afternoon, and she will fill you in on the latest baseball merchandise that's uh, coming in every day, uh, spring and summer stuff that is going to be available at Campus Bookmart. <clears throat> it is a must-stop for every Golden Eagle, and uh, we appreciate their support of the Eagle Hour. Kelly Sander will be joining us uh, a little later in the show, but we want to continue our conversation with Heath. Heath, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I sort of teased this uh, in the break, but uh, two kids from the Ole Miss football program have announced they're transferring to Southern Miss, and we really haven't talked much about that. Is there something you can share about these two kids with our listening audience? Uh, Jay Stanley, a young man, six foot two, two hundred and twenty pounds. You know, I think he's going to be the type of guy they're looking to replace Kyle Hemby, who's departing for the NFL. He has that size, has that uh, has that build. Uh, kind of taking his spot on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, I think that's what they're looking at. And Daniel, you know, Coach Hall, one thing he said was he wanted good physical corners that could play man-to-man. And I think that's what he's looking at here. He wants somebody that can come in, play man-to-man on the outside, and make things difficult. So I think that's what he's trying to do is get more speed on defense, and uh, get better playmakers in the secondary. And I think that's what these guys are for. Yeah, and I'm not 100% up on the rules. Can they play next year, or do they have to sit out a year? No, they can play next year. Is that because of COVID? Normally, you'd have to sit out, right? Yes, sir. They can play next year. So, boy, I mean, things are just upside down uh, regarding this. So, if, if kids can transfer... Uh, this year from one school to another and immediately play, I would guess we're going to see a lot of that. Oh, absolutely. The problem is you're, you're going to hurt high school kids, but it's also going to affect transfers. There's so many kids in the transfer portal now, there's not more positions on the football team. There's not more positions out there. So a lot of these kids in the transfer portal are going to end up not finding a place to play because of freshmen coming in. There's a lot of freshmen out there that are good enough to play college football that are not going to have a spot to play because of all the transfers. Mm -hmm. The NCAA, with this new rule, has really created, you know, a cluster at the top. And, uh, you know, it's going to be – the NCAA just said today that they're going to look into making new rules about the transfer, but they haven't made any decisions yet. Pretty much what they always do, kick the can down the road. Um. So the NCAA is doing nothing to get a handle on this. And if they pass it to where everybody can transfer without sitting out a year for whatever reason in the future, if they decide to do that, it's going to be a a free agency, a free agency of college sports, not only college uh, football, but college basketball. You're going to have teams that are going out there and, and get the eight best players they can get to transfer in every year. Right. to win a national championship. <clears throat> hey, Luke, we uh, we'll, we talk about it a little more later in the show, but we the three of us were talking off air. Uh, there's something else the NCAA needs to look at changing, and that's the structure of the national football playoffs. Just another snoozer last night. I mean, kudos to Alabama, but if you're not an Alabama fan or maybe an Ohio State fan, uh, what, what, was the, what kept you tuned to that football game last night? Because it certainly didn't keep my interest long. Well, I mean, it was a national championship. When it, when it got up 45, 24, you know, I told my buddy I was watching with, and we were 
chilling, eating pizza last night, having fun. And I said, hey, I'm out. You know, it was the end of the third quarter. I mean, part of it is I wanted to see Devontae Smith play uh, just, you know, and he, he you know, did ext- unbelievable before his, his, he injured his hand. Um, it, but, yeah, it, it, you lost your interest. And, again, I will say it, I will say it, I will say it. The group of five football player is the only college athlete at any level, FCS, FBS, D2, D3, that does not compete for a national championship. And unless they move to an eight-game playoff, they, they won't be able to. What irked me, and I put it on social media last night, got some, some decent interaction, was the art one of the arguments against group of five from the haughty power five and and you know the the different conferences is that we're not a we can't put group of five teams in because they'll get blown out well guess what every year we have a blowout every single the national championship the last two national championship games have been games that have been decided by uh you know at 17 points at least uh, however bad LSU, you know one last the story. year yeah, the three most recent. Yeah, so last night, four touchdown difference. There's if Cincinnati's going to get blown out, awesome. But guess what? Ohio State got blown out too. But don't use that as an argument to say that you can't put group of five teams in the national championship. No, I agree. And, I, and real quickly, I, I guess you agree too, Heath. I do. I, I think that. But this, to me, we talked about this a little bit too. To me, this is all about recruiting. The Power Fives do not want the group of five schools to be able to go into somebody's house. And let's just say that uh, Southern Miss could go into a, a young man's house, maybe a high three, four-star uh, recruit, and say, hey, if you come to Hattiesburg, you're going to have just as much, if not a better chance to pay in the college football playoff than if you go to Ole Miss or State. They do not want that. They want to keep the top players in the power five. And this is a format that's able to do that. Think about this. Uh, I think it's every player that Nick Saban has recruited to Alabama has played for a national championship. Just think about that for a second. Right. Every player that Nick Saban has recruited to Alabama has played for a national championship. Why would you not the top kids want to go to Alabama? Well, yeah. And, that's what, that's and what Byron Young said. He, <clears throat> The kid from West Jones that, and that's a defensive lineman for Alabama, he tweeted out this morning, this is why I came to Alabama. And, I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. being honest there. I mean, if, if you know that you're going to be in the college football playoff every single year and you're a four- or five-star athlete and you get recruited, why would you not go there? I mean, just objectively speaking, I know I'm a Southern Miss homer, but if you got a kid and, and literally they can come in there and say, in 14 years of Nick Saban being in Alabama, we've won seven national championships, that's a pretty good ratio that you're going to play for one or at least be in the hunt for one at the end of the year. It's unbelievable. Right. All right, uh, about three minutes left. I want to move on to, to baseball, Heath. And yesterday we had Coach Barry on, uh, and we talked a lot about the uh, change in format uh, instead of having a three-game weekend conference series, you're going to have a four-game series. And I thought a lot about that last night. Uh, boy, I tell you what, that that is a huge difference because how many Sunday games do we watch that the score so- suddenly elevates because through a Friday night and a Saturday game, uh, teams are getting a little low on pitching depth. But, man, how much more of that are we going to see? I I think you're going to be looking at some high-scoring baseball games this year. Oh, I do, too. I also think that this plays in the Southern Miss's hands. Uh, talking to Scott Berry, he told me this is the deepest pitching staff he's ever had. He's got, what, 21, 22, 23 pitchers uh, this year. I mean, this is a team that can 
throw out the arms. I think this schedule, and from what I understand, they're wanting to go to a nine-inning, seven-inning, seven-inning, nine-inning type of deal with the last nine-inning be the getaway game, which sometimes you don't play but seven because it's ten runs. I think that that format works in the Southern Miss's favor because of the pitching depth. Uh, I kind of like the, the way the schedule looks. Is it going to be a change? Yes. Are we going to lose some scheduled games that we really want to play? Sure. But you have to win your conference to get into the NCAA tournament. I think this team is one of the best Scott Berry's ever had. It's not going to be so-called what we used to say, gorilla ball, where you could sit back and wait on a Matt Walner to hit one over the trees, over the roost. That's not this team. This team is a small ball team. This team is a base-hitting team, defensive type of team. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch with really good pitching. And, look, I'm, I'm excited if they go to a four-game home schedule. I think it works in the Southern Miss's favor. Right. Uh, we learned yesterday that they lost a series with Florida State, and I, I think we're going to see that – they may lose a couple other games that people look towards every year, but I think that's one year. That's due to all the scheduling changes uh, that are taking place uh, across uh, the country because because of COVID-19. Another thing I found real interesting and uh, almost humorous, eight games against Louisiana Tech. I mean, could you pick a team uh, that you would want to see them play eight games uh, against each other more than Southern Miss and Louisiana Tech? Oh, that's that's going to be a lot of fun. A Rice, too. I would love to see that. Um, but you're right. Eight games versus Louisiana Tech. By the by, the fourth game, you're going to know each other so well that uh, <laughs> yes. the, the idea of, you know, pitching it and, you know, the mental aspect of managing a game at that point is going to be fun to watch. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm just excited about the schedule for Southern Miss because right. I really do think that a four-game home series plays well in the Southern Miss strengths with this team. Now, that being said, I think this is probably the best baseball we're ever going to see, see played in Conference USA or the NCAA period because so many players are returning and teams are deep. But Southern Miss was off to a 12-4 start last year, really good. I just think we're going to have some of the best baseball we've ever seen in college baseball played this year. I agree, and I'm sure you agree with me when I say I can't wait, right? Yes. Get the Bruce ready. Hopefully there will be some people out there barbecuing. Nothing better than opening day at Pete Taylor Park. All right, Heath. Thank you, buddy. Heath Hinton, Big Gold Nation, everybody. Check it out if you want to stay on top of Southern Miss Athletics. We appreciate Heath's contribution to the Eagle Hour. We'll continue after the break. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Appreciate Heath Hinton from Big Gold Nation joining us today. You can sign up for Big Gold Nation, southernmiss.rivals.com, or just Google Big Gold Nation. Heath, uh, the moderator and owner of that, and uh, does a great job providing a lot of inside information to the Southern Miss fan base. Appreciate his time with us today on the eagle hour four street bar and grill had hamburger steak rice and gravy green bean casserole toast and a drink today for 895 
Uh, an, an interesting uh, college football season comes to an end uh, for sure, but NFL still going on. You can catch the Saints games as well as the NFL playoffs at 4th Street Bar and Grill, and we appreciate their support of the Eagle Hour. Luke and Bob from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg, and Laurel Kelly Sanner joins us uh, on the phone. And uh, Kelly, how much of the football game did you watch last night? I watched most of it, actually. Um, but interestingly, um, I was I was in the minority. I was I was uh, cheering for the Tide, and um, the rest of the people were cheering for those Yankee carpetbaggers. And <laughs> I, I, I said, I said, this is not even going to be close. And of course, I was right. Um, so I, 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 and I really thought, you know, that there would be more people cheering for Alabama than all the people I was with cheering for Ohio State. And what, what's the deal? You know. Um, but nonetheless, Alabama, you know, proved its its superiority. Um, this was definitely their year. Every other year. You know, we, we were talking early, Kelly. The, the th- they got to do something, though, man. I mean, it's, it's the same. It seems like it is the same four or five teams every year in the playoffs. It's just that the outcome is the same. The games are blowouts. I mean, it's just – am I the only one seeing this? Does the NCAA not recognize that outside of the fan bases of maybe Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State – there's really not much reason for the rest of the country to be excited about the playoffs. Well, the, the argument, the argument there, Bob, is that you're sounding like a soccer mom, you know. And, I, and well, I'm, no, 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 no. Here's the argument: you got a you got a ten and zero Cincinnati team. You you had some good football teams, a that are never invited. B, I don't see how you can claim that you have a legitimate national championship when all the when all the conference champions aren't involved in the in the game. It just seems to me that it's a committee of 10 or 12 people that pick the same four teams every year, and the rest of you guys, we don't really care what you do. Go play in your bowl game and shut up. No, I understand I understand your point of view, but but the other side of that coin is, you know, Cincinnati lost in a bowl game, you know, to a, to a two-loss Georgia team. You know, so I know they were undefeated, and, you know, Coastal Carolina was undefeated, and you can make arguments for all those teams, but I think when it, when it comes right down to it, you're, what, what you're arguing is is that you're punishing, you know, greatness. And look, it pains me to say it. I am not an Alabama fan. I cheered for them last night just because I, you know, I, I'm not going to, I just don't want to cheer for Ohio State. But, I, you know, it's the same thing I've said about the Patriots in the NFL for years. I got tired of watching the Super Bowl because it's, it's the Patriots every well, and, year. And I'm not saying that Alabama or, or Clemson shouldn't be in the playoffs. I'm saying open the playoffs to more teams where there is there is a reason for fans like me and I believe many others to have some interest in watching it. But do you honestly think the results would be any different? Well, I think it would be more interesting if that nothing else. Quest- that, was, that wasn't the question. I don't know. Question. I'm, I don't know because – you, you say we say that every year about um, about basketball, but you know what makes basketball so great at the end of the year are these Cinderella stories where these teams that didn't have a chance make a really serious run. You say the same thing about baseball. How exciting was the College World Series a few years ago when Coastal Carolina won the College World Series? Yeah, but that happens. That happens. You know, so so irregularly. Uh, and football, by by the nature of its physicality and how tough it is, you can't play 64 games. 
You know, so you have to make these determinations. And again, I am not, I want to go on record, I am not defending, you know, I don't like Alabama. But doggone it, they're good. And it's the same thing, I hated New England. I still hate New England. I hate Pittsburgh. I hate these teams that are good every single year because I get tired of them being up there. I'm, I'm excited about, uh, you know, the playoffs this year in the NFL because the Steelers are already gone and the Patriots were never in. So, so I, I understand your point, but you're, the, the soccer mom thing that I was alluding to, it's well, you're, you're, you want to punish somebody because they're good. And you could let those other teams in the playoffs, just like you could let the, the winner of the Atlantic Sun Conference get in the NCAA turn, basketball tournament where they're a 15 seed and get blown out by 30 points in the first round. So what? When the, when the push comes to shove, you know, basketball generally is going to, you know, you're going to get your Kansases and your North Carolinas and your Dukes and, and all those you know, teams in there. And in football, it's generally going to be the same. I know it's not a perfect solution, but I don't think there's anybody that can argue that Alabama was not the best team in football this year. They were great. And, I, and I, again, I hate it, but um, they, just, they just were. And, and because it's football, you can't play 20 games a year. Heck, they're barely, they're barely keeping rosters. And because of COVID and all the other injuries, they're barely getting enough games and players, you know, on a roster at the end of the season with the number of games they're playing now. So, so Luke Johnson, more more teams in the playoffs, or stick to the formula like Kelly suggested. No, you got to have eight. Uh, you you got to have eight teams in the playoffs. And here's the way you do it: you create the bowl system, and so you have the lower level bowls to be the first round of the playoff. I mean, I, I've said this since they came out with the four team, the five Power Five champions. Easy. One, the best group of five, and then two at large. And that way, I, I think, I mean, there's a legitimate beef if you win a Power Five conference and you don't get in the playoff. I mean, th- that's a beef, too. I mean, it's not as big as a beef in my mind to, as the group of five. But I certainly uh, agree the fact it doesn't need probably to increase more than eight. And the reason being is, uh, to, to Kelly's point, it is different than baseball. It is different than basketball. Uh, football is one of those where you literally can run over the opponent. I mean, you literally can run over the opponent. Basketball, uh, based off schemes and stuff, you can neutralize talent. In uh, baseball, one pitcher can shut down the opponent opposing team football is completely different but at the same token they're not concerned about the perception bob and that that's just a response to to some of the comments you made they they don't care they don't care about the group of five right. they don't they don't care about the group of five not having a chance at the same token you have zero credibility with the nation as a whole unless you increase it to eight right. well let's just but, but, let's just but, split them apart power five group of five each has no, their own no 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 not until you get eight teams in. Not until you get eight teams in. And the reason being is the group of five needs the power five. We do. We, we, do, we, we do need to go play at these teams. And so if you create a separation, there's going to be less games, I believe, played between G5 and P5, and that's the way that we don't get these you know, $1.8, $1.9 million checks coming into our athletic department, which we desperately need. Yeah, but the problem the problem with eight teams is as soon as you allow eight teams, then there's going to say, well, we need, we need ten teams. You know, but there's no argument. Teams. There's nobody you being know? left out with an eight-game with an eight team play, eight game playoff. Yes, yes, no one has an be, argument that they're being there, left out. There will be somebody Who? that they'll always make it. I'm just saying, there will always be teams that will make arguments as to, as to 
But what I'm saying now is there's one major conference, probably two that gets left out if you have two SEC teams or two ACC teams like you do this year. That's why you got... And you always have a group of five team left off. So if you go eight, everybody's covered. There's no one that can be left out. Well, I I, I just think that... that there, there will always be somebody that's left out, or, there, or whoever is left out. They will always be screaming and hollering that they should be in, and that's why with the NCAA basketball tournaments got sixty-six, and pretty soon the people are going to complain. We need to add another round of that, and there will be one hundred and thirty-four. It's, it's, it's the old soccer man, mom mentality that everybody should get to March Madness. You, you can't you fix know? March Madness. The, the, March Madness runs like a well-oiled machine. The only thing that can stop March Madness is, is COVID. That was it. Well, I would argue that if we'd have played Luke's system this year, Georgia undoubtedly would have been an at-large team. Cincinnati would have been in the playoffs. And the Georgia-Cincinnati game was far more entertaining than anything that took place in the national championship. Well, and my Cyclones might have gotten in there. Correct. Right. You know, Correct. Well, and, and, and Texas A&M should have been in there. I, I just really think Texas A&M you know, should have gotten in there. Um, so, but, but I still think all that – all that aside, Alabama was, and it pains me. Gosh, I hate saying it. But Alabama was just, <laughs> they're just really good. You're right. I mean, they're just You're right. Really, they were really good. By five. It is, Kelly, I said this to Heath. I, I'm not sure that we will ever see a dynasty like that. I mean, this is on like John Wooden level, like what he's doing. 14, 15 years, seven national championships. It's it's crazy to think about. And the fact that, that, he is able. Saban and his staff are able to keep all those premier athletes happy. Yeah. You know, with the transfer portal as, as popular as it's becoming, you'd think a lot of those second and third string guys at Alabama would be jumping ships so that they would get to play. Um, but keeping them all happy and that's the, that's the toughest thing to do nowadays. We all know that. Well, Kelly, just to make you feel better, I'm absolutely 100 percent convinced that your Cincinnati Bengals would smash Alabama if they were going to play them this weekend. (laughs) See, I think you're kidding. I I, I think you're kidding. We'll be back. Yeah, I've got to come. Southern Miss to the top. Fourth segment brought to you by Toyota Hattiesburg, located in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, out on Highway 98 West. Appreciate their sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. Also online, Southern or, uh, ToyotaHattiesburg.com. Luke Johnson, Bob Getty from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. And Laurel, appreciate First Bank just renewing uh, with us this year. Always appreciate everything they do for our community. Appreciate their sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. And they're the home of the Perfect Ten, Reggie Collier. Hey, guys, just got a note from... Uh, Sheila walked in. Crystal Reeves Evans will join us Friday. Of course, that is a former Southern Miss 
women's basketball coach Rick Reeves. That's his daughter, and uh, she'll be joining us on Friday, so uh, pretty cool. Always like to hear from former athletes, especially when they're connected in that way. Kelly, um, Marshall uh, forcing Doc Holliday, not renewing his contract, the reigning Conference USA uh, Coach of the Year, not coming back to the herd, but look like the herd are, are zeroing in on their next coach. Yeah, it's been pretty quiet, really, in the coaching search so far, and now we're learning as to why things have been so quiet, because Marshall, the guy they've been zeroing in on, has been working up until last night. Uh, Several reports out of Huntington, West Virginia, this morning are reporting that Alabama associate head coach and running backs coach Charles Huff is the guy that they are talking to and uh, appears to be the leading candidate at this point. Charles Huff is 37 years old, and he has a coaching experience with the Buffalo Bills and the National Football League, but at the collegiate level has coached at Vanderbilt and at Penn State, both under uh, Coach James Franklin, also at Mississippi State. But he's supposed to be a fire breather as far as uh, recruiting goes and uh, comes highly recommended. So Marshall, it looks like, going after Charles Huff. And again, this is all uh, nothing. This, he isn't the guy, but uh, he has emerged as the leading candidate we're told in Huntington, West Virginia, the associate head coach at Alabama and running backs coach Charles Huff. Also, Nickelodeon, you remember the, the, the NFL playoff game this past weekend that was televised on uh, Nickelodeon, which is, you know, most of you know, a, generally a children's programming network. And Nickelodeon being criticized now by adults around the country because there was a live microphone that picked up some, uh, shall we say, four-letter words. Uh, that NFL players uh, occasionally will will let slip. <laughs> yeah. Of course, this is this is on a children's channel, but uh, adults also criticizing Nickelodeon because they were talking on Nickelodeon. The announcers were talking about point spreads, over and unders, parlays, and teasers, which of course are all gambling terms. <laughs> adults mm. accusing Nickelodeon of teaching underage kids. How to gamble? So there's there's the risk you take by putting an NFL game on the Nickelodeon network. And the only other sports headline today, outside of Conference USA and football, is the Masters Golf Tournament, which is traditionally played that first weekend in April. The uh, organizers have announced they want to keep that uh, traditional date in April this year, and they are going to allow a selected number and limited number of patrons in through the gates this year in Augusta, although they won't be specific as to how many patrons they are going to let in. They want to see how far the vaccine has been able to progress into the general public before they announce how many patrons will be allowed. But it looks like slowly we're going to start seeing crowds back at sporting events here in calendar year 2021. Now back to Nickelodeon, uh, Luke, you know, your coach got slimed at the end of the game. He did that for Nickelodeon everybody TV. Got, I understand. Everybody got, yeah, everybody got slimed uh, whenever they scored. I mean, and even the the field goals. Will Lutz hit a field goal, and they had all this, uh, you know, whatever graphics and stuff up. I thought it was really interesting. I mean, I, I did. I thought this was a pretty cool 
story. Kurt Warner, you know, has a son. He's in his early 30s. He had a traumatic brain injury when he was a, a little kid, and and Kurt took a picture of uh, his son sitting at the the end of the couch, and he said, "This is the first time that he's watched a, a football game with me." And uh, and you that's know, okay. people great. not understanding the context, you know, made some pretty dumb comments on social media. But when you you look at Kurt Warner and his family, many people know about um, his, his son's uh, difficulties, and it was pretty cool. He, he said, "Man, my father or my son and I were enjoying a football game together, and Nickelodeon was able to provide that." Well, that's a good story. Yeah. And you guys, here is your riddle of the day. Okay, and it involves one of our sponsors. What does Toyota of Hattiesburg and the women that I talk to have in common? What's that, Kelly? Both give me 0% interest. (laughs) Well, since you brought that up, I'm also going to let our (laughs) listeners know that we talk about Four Street Bar and Grill a lot. And throughout the COVID crisis, they've provided curbside service. And uh, Kelly let us know that now that the antibodies are flowing in his body and He's out and about again. You're available for curbside service in case any ladies are interested. Am I right about that, Kelly? Yeah, I mean, the, the, obviously their expectations can't be very high. No, um, and goes without and saying. Go, and I and I would go so far as to use the word desperate. Um, but, <laughs> but you should have heard available. Dakota Baker talking about your Corolla on Friday from Ramy Motors. It was good stuff. It's <laughs> great. You didn't hear so, that, did you, Santa? As you were leaving, I, I, I did not. I did not. I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> I look like I. He said, "Watch out if you're on that left side. It's leaning pretty hard left. It might flip. Watch it." I look like a a clown in the circus. That big clown, you know, getting out of one of those little cars. You know. Oh man, zero interest on Toyotas and zero interest in Kelly from the women in the Pine Belt. (laughs) That's correct. Oh man, we'll be back tomorrow at one. Until then, Southern Miss to the top. To the top. Talk Mississippi Media Production.